Amen. Amen. Let's pray this morning and, and get into the Word of God. Father, we love You. And Father, we thank You for who You are, that You want to draw near to us. And Father, You want us to draw near to You. And God, I pray this morning as we just study Your Word, as we apply it to our lives, as the Holy Spirit is already so very tangibly here this morning, that it is undeniable that there is a God. It's undeniable, Father, that You loved us enough to send Your Son to die on a cross. Lord, it's undeniable that You sent Your presence, the Holy Spirit, to be in this place today. So, Father, I pray that if there is any distance between You and us, if there's anything that's holding us back from drawing near to You this morning, I pray those walls, those, that clouds of understanding, all the things that we're trying to figure out, the things, the fear, the sin that we feel separates us from You, God, all that would just dissolve away. And God, that you would just uh, rush into us and us into you, into your presence today. In Jesus' name. Somebody said, Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Exodus chapter 19, verse 10. Exodus chapter 19, verse 10. And uh, we are on our journey, on a series for the last several weeks about the journey of the children of Israel through the wilderness. And they're really not into the wilderness part yet. They've been delivered out of Egypt And they're going along uh, towards the promised land. And we've gotten and followed them to the place of Mount Sinai. And we are paralleling their relationship with God, their journey of faith with our journey of faith, the Christian. And how we too go through wilderness seasons of our life, but yet God is leading us by His Spirit and Word to the promised land. And somebody say, Amen. Amen. Okay. This morning, if I had a title, we're talking about mountain moments with God. And specifically, this one, part two of this mountain moments, is that what do you do when you don't feel good enough? Or what do you do when God feels distant and you become okay with it? Uh, What do you do when God feels distant and you kind of get to that place where you become okay with it? Uh... Do you ever get to those places in your life, or maybe you're there today or have been before, where you want to get closer to God, but don't feel good enough? Anybody ever, just be honest, anybody ever been there before? I I want to get closer to God, but I just really don't feel good enough. I think we all have. Perhaps today uh, you're in a place where you're asking, you know, is God mad at me? Uh, Am I even worthy? Can I even be blessed? Maybe I deserve to suffer, or maybe I've done so many things wrong. I don't know how God can forgive me, or even even if He can forgive me, can He use me? Uh, You know, you think, I'm nothing special, I don't really have anything to offer. Maybe you're having those thoughts today, and I can just be honest, say, I've had those thoughts. Or maybe today, you can even, this morning, you've seen the presence of God and people entering in in our worship you say, well, I, I can see them entering in, but you just kind of feel like you're just kind of back here, just metaphorically watching, and you're like, I don't, I don't have that praise that they have. I don't have that joy, that prayer. I, I'm not, I, I see it, I believe it, I, I can experience it, you know, in the room or been there, but it's not here. I don't, I don't understand, or I don't feel like I'm there yet, or I don't even know if I want to be, because what does it take to be one of those crazy Jesus freaks, you know, I mean, do I want that or not? Uh, and I've been there before. I was the I was the back row, not picking on people in the back row. I've got some great, beautiful people in the back row. But I was that metaphorical back row Christian who my whole life growing up in a spirit filled church really just kind of sat and watched other people entering in. 
And so many, especially Sunday nights, I missed out on experiencing the tangible presence of God because I just want to be a spectator. I was kind of fearful of God speaking into my life and what what He would say or what He would have me do because in a Spirit-filled church growing up uh, in southeast Missouri, you might think God might have me run around the church or something. I don't know if I'm quite ready for that. Or flop around like a fish or something on the floor and say some jibber-jabber words. And I, I don't know. I was that kind of person. I, I, I believed in the presence of God, but I was satisfied with the distance. And I think today, if we were so very honest in our American churches, in our American routine, we want to have the presence of God, but we are okay with having it at a distance. We're okay with letting it happen to a few, or we love to hear the good stories of, man, God God just moved in that church. God moved in our services. But did we experience it? Did we have that relationship uh, draw closer to God when we left that place? And so I don't know if you're here today, but how many want the fullness of God to dwell in you? Somebody say amen. amen. Do you want more of God today than you did yesterday? So look with me in Exodus chapter 19, verse 10. And I'm going to give you the background here. The children of Israel have been delivered out of Egypt by the mighty hand of God. They've traveled some several months in the wilderness, and they finally reached the Mount of God, Mount Sinai. And God is hoping they are ready for His purposes. God is hoping they've changed through this little wilderness uh, story. God saved them, pulled them out of Egypt, and now He's showing them how to rely on Him hand to mouth. He's like, I hope they're understanding my grace. I hope they're seeing my promised plan for them. And so He's hoping, right before He's about to give them the Ten Commandments, we talked last week, uh, that he is, He's calling them to a new covenant, a, a covenant relationship with Him. And He's going to make them a, His own possession, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, to be the light, the salvation of the world. God's going to use them in mighty ways they never thought possible. And so they agree to these terms. So they've accepted the terms of their agreement, and God is paying the price for them to become the people He's called them to be. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, here we are. I'm just going to paraphrase and jump down to verse 16. But in verse 10 through 15, God is telling Moses, He says, Okay, Moses... Go consecrate the people. Go back down the mountain. They are agreeing to my terms. They want to be the people I've called them to be. They want to draw near to me. I want to draw near to them. But before I can be in the midst of them, before I can dwell in the midst of them, you've got to go consecrate them. What does consecrate mean? It's a big word we don't use today very much. It means to make holy, to make sacred, to sanctify, to set apart for a holy purpose of God. They've got to be cleansed and get their minds and hearts and bodies ready to be used by me. All right. And so he says, "Okay, go down and consecrate the people. I want you to make them all wash their clothes. I want you to tell them to fast being in relationships intimately with their spouses, even though that's lawful. He says, but I want them to be totally focused and ready for the third day when my presence comes down. I want them to be totally ready that I, the Lord, will come down to my Mount Sinai and they will see me. And he says, so I want you to do something. I want you to set boundaries around the mountain. Put up some cones or something, right? Put up some boundaries around the mountain because if they go, they can, they're going to see me a little bit. 
But if they even go and touch the mountain and they go up the mountain, they'll die. They'll be like Lot's wife probably and turn to salt. They'll just vaporize because I'm so holy. And even if an animal or someone just touches the edge of the mountain, you know what you have to do? You can't even touch them because I'm so holy and they have touched me. You have to shoot them with an arrow or stone them to death from a distance because they have touched the holy place of God without being ready. That's how holy God is. Now, isn't that kind of crazy? You think about that uh, today. And you talk about God is holy. We don't have an idea that if you would even touch the tangible presence of God, you would be vaporized. And if you weren't, you had to be stoned from a distance or shot through with an arrow to die. And they couldn't even touch you to bury you. They had to like shovel you off into a hole somewhere, right? Okay, so that's what he says. So it's most like, okay, shoo, yeah, I'll be sure to put the signs up. And if they can't read, it's all on them, you know, or, or something. And so he does that. He says that he tells them and Moses makes very, very clear. Don't let your dog off the leash this Sunday. okay? because they might never come back. All right. And then uh, this dog ain't going to heaven. Okay. so Exodus chapter 19, verse 16. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there was thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sounded and all the people who were in their tents trembled. Can you imagine? You're asleep. You're sound asleep. Dawn hits and all of a sudden, and the trumpet. And you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? It's the end of the world or something. And they wake up. They run out of their their camp and they begin to tremble at what happens because they're at the base of the mountain. They begin to tremble at what's descending. They think it's like an alien invasion or something. I don't know. Independence Day, you know, coming down. And they see this awesome sight coming down the mountain. And there they stood. And Moses brings the people out of their tents, goes to the edge of the mountain, just to the edge of the boundary to meet God. You know, that'd be a scary day. Whew. And he says, they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked violently when the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. And Moses spoke and God answered in thunder. You and I serve a holy and awesome God. We don't even have a clue. People talk about him on the news like he's just some little puppy in a cage. But we serve an awesome and fearful, mighty God whose holiness is undefinable, whose presence is awe-inspiring, and it's tangible. This is just the presence of God coming down. When the presence of God comes down, the earth trembles. Men faint. Because of the presence of God. And, he, and, and I don't know about you, but have you ever experienced the tangible presence of God? Some today would say, yes, today I've experienced it. But in your life, have you had those moments where you just know you have experienced the presence of God? Just raise your hand. You say, I know I've experienced the presence of God. There's been moments in my prayer time where God, I'll be in the sanctuary and God will just hit me and I'll be on the floor because the presence of God comes down. There's other moments where I remember where God just came over me and I just began to weep uncontrollably. I don't even know what I was crying for, but the presence of God came down. Or the times I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues. doesn't make any sense to me, but it happened. And I've experienced the presence of God. Okay, so uh, we can kind of somewhat identify a little bit 
But when God's presence, we know it's everywhere, but in this moment it was so intense with fire and smoke and earthquake and trumpet, they trembled at the tangible presence of God. You know what the, the word, the, the, in the Hebrew, the word for presence of God, it actually means the face of God, His face. That the face of God descended, the presence of God, His face. To Really what it's talking about is knowing Him personally, that the personal presence of God came down. And it literally is the face of God. It's the place where Scripture says angels stand and worship. Uh, It's the place where the Scripture says there's fullness of joy and righteousness and eternal peace. But it's also the place where it says there's not room for even one sin. There's not room for even one sin in the presence of God. Uh, And so if you know this and you understand, wow, they're saying you can't even go into the presence of God. You can't even touch it. You can't really even see it. And God comes down this cloud and this fire and this smoke. And if you go up there, even if you have one sin in your heart, boom, you're done. You're dust. And so when this presence comes down and God's saying, I want to dwell among these people. Because he says, I want to make them a kingdom of priests, a royal nation, a holy people for my possession. I want to make them that. And I, Moses, I'm going to dwell among them. In Exodus, uh, in chapter Excuse me, chapter 29, verse 45, God tells Moses in it later on. He says, I want to make a dwelling place in the midst of these people. I want to put my tabernacle in there in the presence among them. And I want them to know me personally. And so what's God saying here today? He's saying, I want the reason they're going to be special. The reason they're going to be unique in the world today is because my presence will be in the midst of them. I want to be a part of their life. I want to be so intricately involved in everything they do, from the holidays they celebrate to the marriages they perform to the service of worship they have to the victories and the battles in their life that they win. I want to be so in the middle of all they are and that by me being in the middle of their life, they will be awesome. By me being in the middle of their life, they'll be a holy people, the mighty people of God, and they'll tell the world of who I am. They'll be my witnesses. And so he says... I want to dwell in the midst of them. I want to be a dwelling place for them. You know, today, do you really understand? Man, I want to be a dwelling place of God's Spirit. Do I understand what that means? That I want to be a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. That God's will today, His heart, is that He wants to be all up in everything you do. Think about that holiness of God on the mountain. And he's saying, I'm going to fit all of that into you. Isn't that kind of crazy? I want to fit all of that presence, all of that might, all of that power, all of that, that immense worshipful thing. You can't even describe it, that holy presence. And I want to be in the middle of you. I want to be at the center of all that you are. And I want to make you a light to the world of God's salvation. And I want you to be blessed. And I want you to be set apart for my purpose. But what do you have to do? You've got to be consecrated. Okay, so follow with me. So God says, all right, here's my mountain. Here's what's going to happen. You've got to be consecrated. And my presence just came down because I want to be a dwelling place for you. I want to be dwelling in the middle of you. But what happens? These walls are there. We've got boundaries around God's presence. And not only that, but these, uh, these boundaries are set up. Perhaps these you think of as walls of religion that would prevent people from touching the mountain and dying. 
God gives them plans on this mountain. Moses is about to be taken up. He gives them plans for the tabernacle, which the word tabernacle means dwelling place uh, of his presence. And it too had restrictions. Uh, The tabernacle Moses gets, it's got curtains around it. It's got a holy place where only the priest could enter in. Then it's got the most holy place uh, that only the priest one time a year could enter in. And he had to be completely consecrated. And then inside of that, there's the Ark of the Covenant, you know, that thing from Charlton Heston's movie, if you haven't read the Bible very much, you know, or Indiana Jones, you know, okay? Got the angels on it, it's gold. Inside of that goes the Ten Commandments, and right above that, between the two angels, is the mercy seat. And there was a visible, tangible presence of God. And nobody could go in there. The walls of religion had set them apart. Why? Because if they had gone in, they'd be killed. So God in His mercy says, I know you can't come into my presence. I want to be among you, but I'm going to set some things up so that where I can be among you, but at a distance. I can be among you, but at a distance. There's religion I need to set up between us because if you entered in unknowingly, ignorantly, you'd die. And I love you too much to let you do something stupid. So God puts up... And you love how God does that sometimes. He loves us so much to keep us from doing stupid things. And so they, they, they put the religion there. Well, so... Today, there's religion all around. And maybe you're here today and you feel like religion is separating you from God. Maybe there's a dwelling place you want along to get to, but there's walls of religion. I'm not good enough to serve on the worship team. I'm not good enough to preach. I'm not good enough to teach. I'm not good enough to to be involved in ministry. I don't have the gifts. I don't have this. I've done too many things wrong in my life. There's, There's something between God and I. These walls. On the other side, there's... The cloud says that the cloud filled the mountain and surrounded it. So even though the visible presence of God had come, he was still clouded because the Bible says to look upon the face of God is to die, that no man could look upon the face of God and live. Even Moses couldn't really look. He had to wear a veil. When he went up there, he saw God face to face, one of the only men to ever do that. And even when God put him in the rock, he had to turn. He only saw God's backside. Uh, If you read later on. So no man can look and live. And today, there's all kinds of... God is clouded to so many people. Understanding. I don't get it. I see something happening at Sanctuary Worship Center today. I see people jumping and shouting and praising. But I don't really understand it. I was an analytical person growing up. And I had to figure it out. I wanted to know, why is this the way it is? I've got to kind of get my ducks in a row before I'll make a decision. And today, so many people want to figure God out. So many people say, well, let me, I don't know. I'm not into all that emotional stuff. I can, I can think about God here at a distance. I can say my, now lay me down to sleep. I pray my, uh, you know, God not to kill me in my sleep. You know, that's what you're praying, right? Uh, and then you're, you're saying, I, I just, I got to have God in a box where I can understand him and I got to figure it out. Or maybe there's things that's preventing you from getting closer to God today because you can't figure it out. You don't make sense. That's called faith. That there is a God beyond that. And that He is there whether you understand it or not. Whether you experience Him on that mountain or not, there is a God on that mountain. Right? There is a God. And so today, maybe it's walls of religion or it's clouds of knowledge that are keeping you at a distance. But why did God do all of this? Because sin dwells in us and we would perish at the sight of His face and at the tangible unfiltered presence. So if God's going to dwell in the midst of his people, he's protecting them. 
He's keeping them out of his holiness. And twice he tells Moses, go down to the people, warn them, don't come up the mountain. Moses is like, God, I already told them. He says, go down again because they're trying to come through. They don't understand. Now, I wonder if our ignorance sometimes we think sin's not so bad. We think things like, well, I'm not that bad. You know, I'm not like out there, you know, running on, on a biker gang or something somewhere. And if you are, we'll talk later. You know, like uh, I'm not out there just in the bar every night getting just hammered and, and I'm not doing meth. And I don't, you know, I'm not like those people. One sin will send you to hell for eternity. One sin, one prideful thought, one lustful thought, one desire that you shouldn't have for a car that drives by on the street. One sin, coveting your neighbor's wife, coveting your neighbor's stuff. Uh, one lie. As a, when I was little, I remember my godmother. I was five years old. She had a little porcelain puppy dog right there on the, the counter. And we were leaving, and I said, hey, can I, can I have that? I'm five years old, right? And she says, no, no, that was my so-and-so grandma's or something like that. So we're all leaving. You know what little Heath Harris did? Little puppy dog on my way home. And uh, my mom comes in a week later and above my bed. She's like, where'd you get that little puppy dog? And I said, I don't know. I'm just confessing today. It's, you know, it's Sunday. Anyway, I gave it back. One sin. Little five-year-old Heath Harris. It's in us. It's who we are. Paul says he fought it. He, he, he knew the things he was supposed to do, but he still did the wrong things anyway. There was something inside of him, that this craving. And you know, today God uh, knew we could not get closer to Him, so He was willing to come closer to us. He, he was saying, I want to be a part of you, but you don't have access to me. But I have to get to a place in my life to realize I'm living sometimes, I think, well, it's okay, I, I can live with that. I don't want to live with anything that can't go in the presence of God. You know what? I'm not perfect. Every week I fail. Every day I fail. But I don't want to get to a complacency where I say, well, at least I'm not so-and-so or doing that. But one sin was going to keep me out of the presence of God. One sin would send me to hell for eternity. And I wonder today... We get in our Christian bubble and we just start defining things by knowledge. We start defining things by religion and the walls and, and all these little things. And we say, well, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I read my Bible. I pray. I don't cuss every day. You know, just one, one little thing here or there. I might go off with the guys and say a couple of things, but it's okay. Or, you know, the ladies, we might call and chit-chat a little bit, but it's not that bad of gossip. It's not, we're not really talking about her, just talking what she's like, you know. Uh, you know, it's not lying if that's what she really does, is it? You know, uh, can't be gossip if it's true, right? And we just start kind of saying, well, I can live with this. I'm good enough. We're, me and God are tight. But what if there was more? What if you could go deeper? Now, look at this. Okay, so I'm getting off here. So he goes, he says, wait, waiting. So he says, I want you to know you can't come into my presence, but I want to dwell among you. So he says, wait, consecrate them, make them holy, make them separate. I want to dwell among them. 
And they're going to be this kingdom of priests. And he says, be ready on the third day. Get yourself ready. Fast even some things. And, and get your thoughts and cares off of your life. And get your thoughts and cares on what's about to happen. This morning, I want you to get your thoughts and cares about what Jesus Christ has done for you. Because watch this. It says, uh, even after they would prepare this presence, even after they would do all that they were called to do, they would still not see God through the cloud. They would still be walled off with the boundaries. And for years, Moses and all the people never got to go into the presence of God. For 400 years and a thousand years, even more, till the coming of Jesus Christ, they still never had full access. But watch what happens. The Bible says that the Son of God came down and He dwelled among us dwelling place he dwelled among us that he came god in the flesh perfect man perfect god and what was his name emmanuel god with us think about that today when you couldn't go up the mountain to god the mountain came to you when you couldn't get closer to the presence of God, the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God came incarnate in a man just to know you, just so you could have access with him. He became God with us. And those who today still are ready and waiting to be consecrated to receive him can have a savior. Those today, they can say God is no longer hidden. God is no longer obscure. I can truly know him. I can't I don't have to be separated anymore because he dwelt among us. John chapter one, verse 18 says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, though, God, who is in the bosom of the father, God, Jesus Christ has explained to him. When God seemed unknowable before, now you can know Jesus. When God seemed separated and distant before, now Jesus Christ has come near and for three days they waited for the presence of God to come down to have even a little bit of access to God. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was buried in a tomb for three days. And then when He rose again on the third day, now we have full access to the Spirit of God that we can walk boldly before Him, enter into His courts with praise. Because there's no longer separation. He says the enmity, the hostility, the walls were broken down. That day when he uh, died on that cross, that curtain, those walls of separation were broke apart from top to bottom. God ripped it personally and said, now I want you to come on in to my presence. What great privilege you and I have today to live as New Testament Christians to know Jesus personally. To know Him. Acts chapter 10 verse 40 says that God raised Him up on that third day and granted that He become visible. 500 people saw Him alive. The world testifies, the Word testifies that He's risen, that Jesus Christ became visible to man. And today, if you're ready, if you really want to know God, you can know Jesus. He's no longer obscure or unknowable. But what do you got to do to really know Him? What do you have to do to really know Jesus like nobody else? What do you have to do to, re I mean, really, really know Him? I'll give you this. He told them not only to wait, He told them to wash. He told them to take your clothes, get that wash. Anybody ever use these when you're little, those, those wash basins? I'm not going to ask you because you might tell your age by that. But you take your clothes, you get a... Kids, they didn't always have washing machines. They used to have a bucket or a pail of water. Okay, you go and you scrub it, right? On these little things that now uh, hillbillies use for music, Right? Washboards. Yeah. Thank you, Miss Evelyn. All right. So they would go out there and they wash their clothes. And what were they doing? 
it really wasn't about that they were dirty, but in that moment when they began to take that water and to take that, that clothes that they were wearing from Egypt, they began to take those clothes of Egypt and they began to scrub them. They began to cleanse them. And they began to think about, oh, what God has done for us. Oh, what God is about to do for us. Oh, I'm leaving it all behind because there's laid up for me something in glory. And so I am so willing to cleanse my life of all the filth of the places I've been before. And I'm so ready to enter into the fullness of what God is about to do in my life. That's the consecration. He says, I want you to not only wait, but I want you to wash. You've got to be purified before my presence can dwell in you. It's a cleansing before a blessing. Even that high priest, when he'd go in that temple every year, he had to be washed. The same is true today of what Jesus did those three days in that cross. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 tells us, he says, that Christ saved us, not only on the basis of the deeds which we've done in righteousness. You know, that's the washing of the clothes. We do something outwardly. But really, it's in His mercy, by the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, who He poured upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that now being justified by His grace, you and I, we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jesus' blood atones for your sin. But when you accept Him and His sacrifice, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, now comes inside you. And the Holy Spirit begins to wash your soul and cleanse you to make you a temple of the dwelling place of the living God. And that's awesome. See, they washed their outer clothes and could not enter in. But you and I today can be fully washed by the Holy Spirit and just walk on in the presence of God. Today, you can experience the fullness of God in a moment because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. How many times do I take that for granted? How many services have come by and the, and the praise team's like, let's go worship. We're like, you know, I just really had a hard week this week. And you say that God and that immensity of the mountain, when so many generations of people before us have been walled off, clouded away, that the Son of God was so willing to come down and die a death on the cross and be buried for three days just so you could know Him. Just so you could feel His presence. Just so you can enter in. And if you're ready today to leave Egypt all behind, if you're ready today to leave all your worldly pursuits and go past the boundaries of religion and go past the knowledge of understanding, you can be cleansed by Christ, washed of the Holy Spirit, and set apart as the people of God. You can be a dwelling place today for God's Spirit. That's so amazing. It really is. My little words up here don't do it justice of how amazing it is. You can be a dwelling place. That tabernacle before what was walled off, now you, the Bible says you, you are living stones. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have the mountaintop presence of God dwelling in you. You have God with us. You know, while naturally we should be in fearful alienation from God, Jesus Christ cleanses us, His mercy seat through the cross. And I love what <clears throat> Ephesians 3 says, Now we can boldly come with a confidence and access Him through faith. And Hebrews 19.19 19 says that we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus who let us pass through the curtain 
We've been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and we've been washed with pure water. And just like the Holy Spirit descended upon that mountain, the presence of God descended on that mountain, it came again in Acts chapter 2 in a thing called the Upper Room Experience. On Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit comes down, and a violent, rushing, mighty wind circles that place, and fire comes down upon each of those people, and all of them speaks in tongues as the Holy Spirit gives them utterance. And it wasn't the last time. Over and over again in the Bible, and even up until this very Sunday, God still pours out His Spirit in a tangible, powerful way. And if you want a mountaintop experience with God, you only have to enter in. You only have to go in boldly with Jesus Christ up the mountain, follow Him deeper into the place of the presence of God. But here's the kicker. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. Look there real quick before I close. They had this great opportunity to be God's special people. This kingdom of priests, this holy nation. And today, you and I, church, not because we go to church, not because we have religion, not because we know the Bible, we're God's special people not because we see God moving in others, for God's special people because we have the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. So many people like Israel are satisfied with standing at a great distance from God's presence. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, Israel tells Moses, they said, no, 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 no. This is a little much for us. Moses, you go back up there. You talk to God. You get the Ten Commandments. We heard God's voice in thunder. And he, okay, this is a little intense for us. We know we're not ready for this. You go up there. You, tell, you, you go up there 40 days. You talk to God. And then you come back down and you tell us. We want a safe distance between us and God because we might perish. But God had already provided the way to go on in. He said, when the trumpet sounds, I'll call you past the boundaries. You can come up a little bit. It won't be a perfect distance and it will still be clouded but i'll let you i'll i'll let you just experience more of me they said we want to stay at a safe distance today you don't have to stay safe you know and and you can't play safe christianity it's all gone the walls are gone. The clouds are gone. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And if you would say today, I want to just play it safe. I just want to go through church and get my go to heaven card. My VIP membership and that bus ticket on the train to glory. What you're saying is saying, God, I don't really appreciate the intermediary you sent me. I don't really appreciate what Jesus Christ has really done. I really don't want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I, I want to watch you work, God, but I don't want to prophesy. God, I, I don't mind if they preach, but I don't want to preach. I don't mind if they would. I want to see the church grow. Yet yeah, I'll give tithes. I'll come. I'll attend when I can once a month. But I'm, I'm, you know, we're good, right, God? We're okay. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. We're going to go to heaven. What are you missing out on? What are you missing out? That that power that shook that mountain dwelt in those 12 apostles. 
and they change the world. We limit God so very much. Say, God, let's, let's just put you in a box, set you up on my mantle. People come in, they can say, look, me and my pretty family, we've got our good Facebook profiles, I'm Christian on there, I'll quote my scripture every now and then, I'll never prophesy, I'll never dream dreams, I'll never see visions, I'll never see the dead raised or the lame walk or the blind see, but I'm going to heaven. That's not the kind of power that God gave you through Jesus Christ. That's not the Christianity that he offers in the book of Acts in the New Testament. That's not the kind of book that, that God, that Apostle Paul and the prophets are writing to these churches. They were casting out demons. They were seeing the lame walk. They were going into uncharted territory and hostile territories being martyrs and dying for God because they had the Shekinah glory of God dwelling in them. They knew what power resided in them. They saw heaven opened up over them. And we want to settle for a safe, quiet American Christianity where we can just get by, get some feel-goods, good uh, uh, pick-me-up, good quotes for my Facebook memes and go home. Who's preaching today? Can't play safe Christianity. That's why we're losing this war in our country, church. That's why the culture is failing. That's why our kids are in rebellion. That's why there's violence on the street. Because the church is not being the church. Where's the power of God in our meetings? Where's the power of God in our prayer services? We say we believe that the glory of God now dwells in you. That same mountaintop spirit now dwells in you. Where's it at? That's what the world's saying. We claim all this big talk. We're really just standing at the bottom of the mountain saying, yeah, you can go up, brother. You can go up, sister. You can go up, pastor. I'm right here. I'm at the place. I see it. I believe it. A little clouded couple of walls between us. Maybe there's a little sin issues in my heart where I know if I entered in, I'd have to give that up. I'd have to stop the way I talk. I'd have to change the way I work my finances. Might have to kind of change my attitude a little bit, give up my person. I may even have to go to missions. Who knows? God has something in store for you that is special. And what makes you special today is not because of where you go to church or what religion you have or not because you know the Bible or not because you've seen God move in others, but because the presence of God dwells in you. That's what's going to make you special in this world today. That's what's going to set you apart today. And Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, if you don't have the Spirit of God in Christ dwelling in you, you don't belong to God. Dwelling place of God's tangible Spirit. You can be special today because you can be a dwelling place of the living God through Jesus Christ who became God with us and he breathed his Holy Spirit on his church and he says I don't just want to be with you but now I want to be in you John chapter 14 do you want to get closer to God today you want to move out of the safe zone and go up the mountain you know I I hope that you know, just real talk. We have one of the... I love this church more than anything in this. I really do. I love my family. I love this church. Love God first. But we can go through motions. And we can go and we can have church for the next 40 years. As the Lord leads me to stay, I'll pastor you, bury you, marry you, baptize your kids, dedicate your babies. Or we can change the world. 
depends on what we want. Do we want to play safe Christianity and watch our country slide into exile of God's presence? We say, God, I want to be a holy remnant. God, I want to go up the mountain with you. I want to take advantage of what Jesus Christ has done for us, and I want to see the tangible presence of God rock this house. Amen. Amen. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, worship team, would you come? Today, maybe there's walls of religion that are saying to you, you're not good enough. And no, you're not, but Christ is. Maybe today there's clouds of understanding that says you don't know enough. No, you never will, but that's faith. Maybe sin is holding you at a distance and maybe you know your guilt and God's presence terrifies you. But today you can be the living dwelling place of the living God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You can be holy as He is holy because of Jesus Christ. Are you willing today to let God be with you and in you? Because God desires to bless you. He desires to make you a chosen race, a holy, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His possession, so you can tell the world of His saving grace. I'm just going to pray just for a moment. I'll allow the presence of God to fill this place. And God, just begin to speak individually to you.